turning there, I, I, I must mention, I, I hope you had a great Christmas, and uh, I hope you had all the things that you wanted to have, and uh, before I jump into the message, I, I have to tell you this story. Uh, you know, sometimes Christmases are just meant to be, and it is 2020, and uh, the good news about it is, is this is the last Sunday of 2020, and, and I'm not sure there's a more appropriate thing than for me to be preaching here this morning, and it's just so 2020, and uh, um, at the beginning of 2020, I can promise you, I didn't think I would be preaching uh, on a Sunday morning at Central Baptist Church in Hattiesburg. I pretty well thought I probably would still be in Nebraska at Columbus Baptist Church preaching. And nor did you expect for me to be preaching here on the last Sunday uh, of, of the year. Uh, but uh, this Christmas, we, uh, we, we had a very 2020 Christmas dinner. Um, I, I've mentioned before, I like to eat. I take it very seriously. I like to eat. And, and, uh, um, and those that are, that are preparing food, I, I like to make sure that they're taking it seriously as well. And uh, so as we were getting ready for this past week and our Christmas dinner, uh, my wife and I were making arrangements. And most of the time, um, if I am cooking for Christmas dinner or Thanksgiving dinner, I'll deep fry turkey. I just think it tastes better, okay? It's just, it's juicier. And, and, uh, and you get it ready, and, and you inject it the night before, and you put some of that good Tony Thatcher's Creole butter uh, all up in there, and, and, and just put it in the deep fryer, and it just tastes good, amen? Who, who in here eats their turkey deep fried? Eat their turkey deep fried? Okay, amen. You're right with God. And, uh, um, and, and, and so, but, uh, you, you, so we're talking about it, and, you know, we didn't have a, a fried turkey for Thanksgiving. And then she says, well, why don't we fry a turkey for Christmas? And I was thinking, well, okay, well, let me think about it. And then uh, we've been pretty busy at the house. Brother John's been, you know, uh, tearing things down and building things back up. And I appreciate all the hard work that he's put over there. And, uh, and so I was like, well, you know, you get the turkey, you pick it up, and I'll make sure I'll throw it in the deep fryer. No big deal. And so uh, she calls me and says, you know, when Dixie didn't really have a good-sized turkey, I wanted her to get about a 10 to 12-pounder. We don't have as many people here. And, uh, and so she gets a 7-pound turkey. Is that right? 7-pound turkey. Think, is that really enough to go to the storage unit, get all my deep-fryer stuff out, and do that? And so I decide, last minute, says, you know what? I'm not going to deep-fry a turkey. That's kind of a waste of my time. I'll throw it in the smoker, and uh, we'll just let it smoke for a while. We already have a honey-baked ham to eat. We can eat the honey-baked ham, and by the way, you eat honey-baked ham cold. You don't put it in the oven. Stop putting honey-baked hams in the oven. You ruin it, and uh, uh, it's cold, and and it tastes better that way. And and so um, anyways, so on Christmas morning, I'm going to go and put this, get, get that turkey ready, and I open the turkey, and it's like, hey, come you know, clean the turkey, and we'll get it ready and prepared to put into the smoker. And I'm looking at this turkey, and I'm like, something's missing. Why doesn't this look like a turkey? It's, you know, she's cleaning it out, and, and it's got turkey gravy in it and everything. And, and all of a sudden, I look at it and say, Diana, you bought a turkey with no legs. What good is a Christmas turkey with no turkey legs? Who in here is going to put a turkey in the smoker with no legs? I mean, I feel bad for the turkey. I mean, here's Legolas, the turkey, and, and, and you know, uh, he, he's there, and I'm looking at him and said, this is not worth my time. I am not going to put this turkey in the smoker if I'm not going to be able to even get turkey legs from it. 
And, and, uh, and so we, we had a good laugh about this turkey. It's the most pitiful turkey you've ever seen. Guess where that turkey still is? He's in the fridge. He's not getting cooked. I think I'm just going to go to the backyard and bury him. I feel bad for him. And, and the only thing he, he has is, is he's got one little partial wing out there. And, and I thought, you know, that, that is just 2020. It's a circumstance that we were dealt. And it was, you know, never send a woman to do a man's job picking out a turkey. And so, um, everybody okay this morning? Brother John's been trying to get you to smile and laugh all morning long. And so it took me making fun of my wife to get you to smile and laugh. Shame on you. All right. First John chapter 5. First John chapter 5. And I know if you are visiting with us and uh, you have received one of our uh, messages of hope card and... Um, I know that you were expecting a message of that, and um, I apologize that you got me, but I'm going to give you what the Lord gave me last night and into this morning. First John chapter 5 and verse number 13 says, very familiar verse says, These things have I written unto you, that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we had the petitions that we desired of him. There's one word here that I want to pull out, and it is in verse number 14, and it says, and this is the confidence. Confidence is that one word that I want to talk about. And I want to give you a message on the confident Christian, the confident Christian. Um, this year has not been what many of us have expected. Uh, I mentioned, I think, just the previous message that I preached. Uh, this year, even for me and my family, has been different. Uh, it, we, we moved. We, uh, we're, we're not in the same location that we were. And, and, and when we started uh, 2020 in January, um, it really the year started off good for me. I think right off the bat in January, I killed a nice big deer in Alabama, and, and I thought this year was going to be great, and, uh, and, and then it's turned into what it has turned into. And I know for many of you, it's been different. The church has gone through some changes and uh, um, changes of, uh, of leadership and so forth. And, and, and we've gone through this thing of, of, of the coronavirus throughout the, our nation and throughout the world. But there is one thing that we can maintain. And that is our confidence, and not our confidence in us. I'm not saying the confidence that I have in myself. I'm not saying the confidence that I even have in, in this church, but the confidence that I have in God. And verse number 14 says, and this is the confidence. And the Christian is as strong as his or her confidence. And without a confidence in God, without a confidence in what God can do through me, without a confidence in what God can do through this church, without a confidence of what God can, through, can do through his will in my life, I can do nothing. I can do nothing. I have, I have mentioned it to, to several different people, and I think I mention it a little bit each and every time that I preach. And, and it, it's so depressing uh, seeing around so many Christians that simply want to be weak. They simply want to be weak. And, they, and it's, they're weak because they have no confidence. You know, I just want to remind you this morning of the God whom we serve. 
I want to remind you this morning that regardless of what has taken place in this, in this year, regardless of what has taken place in your life, that the Bible tells us that we can have confidence. We can have confidence that we in him, that if we ask anything according to, to his will, he heareth us. We serve this great and mighty God uh, that, that, it, that gives us this confidence. Look, I and myself have no reason to be confident because I know the wicked sinner that I am. But I, through Christ, have every reason to be confident in what he can do through me. And you yourself have every reason to be confident this morning. This morning, if you sit in these pews and you know for sure you're on your way to heaven and you know that you're where God has placed you in your life and and, and you know that you are doing your best to serve him with all your might, you can have great confidence in him. And you can have great confidence in what God can do through you. 2020 might not have been the year you expected, but 2021 can be an even better year regardless of the circumstance if you would simply have the confidence that a Christian should have. Now listen to me, there's definitely a difference between confidence and cockiness. Certainly is. You see it on sports fields all the time. And, and, and cockiness is, is, is to, to puff up without have that haughty spirit, so to speak. But we certainly can have confidence. And that confidence means to trust and assurance of mind or firm belief in the trustworthiness of another or the truth and reality of a fact. Trust reliance. And who is more trustworthy than God? Who is more trustworthy than the God that Central Baptist Church serves? We can have great confidence in what he can do. You know, when our confidence is shattered, and I believe many people's confidence has been shattered, Many times it's hard for us to to regroup, for us to push forward. But through God, we are able to regain our confidence and become more profitable for him through our service. The Bible gives us some things, and I don't plan on being very long this morning. I've said I don't plan on being very long. I didn't promise. I, there's two different, that's, those are two very different words, okay? Plan and promise. And, uh, and, and so I don't plan on being very long, but I won't promise that I, that, that I won't be very long, all right? And uh, I have a few things this morning for you on where we can have our confidence. You know, the Lord is the place for our confidence. He absolutely is. And for many of us, if we continue to put confidence in our flesh, we will certainly fail. But here's a few things for us uh, to just rejoice in this morning. Hey, look, once again, 2020, at least you're ending the year here in church. Those of you who are on live stream, at least you're ending the year being able to watch at services today. There are many people that can't watch services. There are many people that don't have the, the ability to do that. And so, but uh, we can end this year good, and we just have a few days left and to put a good ending on the year of 2020 and a great beginning to 2021. But the first thing that we can have confidence in, the first thing that we must have confidence in, is we must have confidence in the message of God. We must have confidence in the message of God. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 28, verses 30 through 31, says, And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came in unto him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding him. Here was Paul, and he dwelt two whole years in his own hired house, and here he is in this particular circumstance. And in this circumstance, Paul says, You know what? I'm going to do what I know I'm supposed to do. I'm going to have great confidence that the Lord's placed me in this situation. I was talking to somebody the other day and talked about uh, being angry at a situation. So many of us get angry at our circumstance. 
You know, all that does is lead to bitterness. When we get angry at a circumstance, it just leads to bitterness. And then bitterness dwells up, and bitterness is like leprosy, and it affects every, every person around us, and, and all because we're, we're angry at circumstance. And we think, God, why did you place us in, 20, in the year 2020? And why did you give us these circumstances? And we're angry at all these things that we can't control. What does that lead to? That leads to bitterness. When we can get angry at somebody, well, that's easy. I mean, if I get angry at Brother John, which I never have, Brother John, and, and, uh, but if I get angry at Brother John, at least I'm angry at Brother John. I can go and say, Brother John, I'm mad at you. No, I'm supposed to say, I'm sorry. And, and, uh, and, and so, uh, but you know, we, that, that's, that's easy when we're angry at somebody. But when we're angry at a circumstance, that's when bitterness arises. And, and we think, well, you know, I'm just, I don't even know what God is doing in my life right now. Well, I know what he wants you to do in your life. And it's up for you to find out what God's plan is for you in that particular circumstance. But what I can guarantee you is, is whatever your circumstance is, you can have confidence that the message doesn't change. The message doesn't change. It's to preach the gospel of Christ. Each and every place you go, that is the message. That is the main thing in our life, is to preach his message. And you know what that does? You know what preaching the gospel of Christ does? Is it springs up a boldness in you that you didn't have before. It springs up something in, in you that, that, that you didn't even know you had. It takes the person that has a stuttering problem and gets them before the Pharaoh and says, let my people go. It takes a person that's scared to stand up in front of someone and gives them the ability to stand up and say, thus saith the Lord. It gives them that great confidence. Why? Because that's the confidence in the message. It's a great message. It's the most powerful message. And we're all called to preach that same message, that gospel of Jesus Christ. It must be preached in boldness. It must be preached in boldness. You must boldly go before the lost and say, thus saith the Lord. Confidence. You ever talk to somebody that is just so bold and you say, man, I just wish I had their boldness. That's not to say their rudeness. <laughs> but their boldness. And we stand and boldly proclaim Jesus as our Lord and Savior. That is the message. You know, I'm glad we have a pastor that stands up here and, bro and boldly proclaims Christ as Savior and the only way to heaven. I'm glad for that. You can boldly proclaim that. If, if it was always so timidly given. Well, I think that this is... No, the Bible says it right here. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know. That gives us a great boldness in the message that we preach. That it's the truth. You know, when you know something is so sure, you're bold about it. I know that this is how we're supposed to do this. I, I, I know that this is the way and, and, and to, to get this thing accomplished. I know it. Where does boldness come from? Where does that confidence come from? Well, a lot of the times that comes from in our jobs or whatnot. It comes from being prepared. Why? Because I know it. I studied it. It's like a kid in school who, who knows he's going to get a good grade. Why? Because he studied it. He knows it. And the teacher stands up and says, well, I hope everybody studied. And that kid walks in and says, I think I'm going to do pretty good today. Well, why do you think you're going to do pretty good today? Well, I studied it. How are we supposed to be bold in our message if we don't study the message? 
But we are supposed to be. We must have confidence in the message. Isaiah chapter 55 verse 11 says, so shall, my word, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Woo, we can have confidence knowing that, that the thing that, that when we go and preach the message of God and when we proclaim the truth to others and when we pass out that track to each and every people, I'm looking for a track, don't have one. And, uh, and when we pass out that track, when we give that message of hope, that it won't return void. It doesn't mean every person is going to receive Christ. It doesn't mean that every person that we come across is going to get saved. But what it does mean is that you can know for sure that you're out giving the message that God has planned for you to give. Man, that brings great confidence. There's nothing better than leading someone to the Lord. There's nothing better than leading somebody to the Lord. I, I have said before, I have had the opportunity uh, to, to go to some really cool places in my life. And, and you see these really neat uh, sights, and, and, and I praise the Lord for that. I've had an opportunity to, to in the sports world, maybe hit some game-winning buckets and those particular things, and those things are awesome. I've had an opportunity to, to, to be able to maybe miss a few nice big deer, but I've also uh, shot a couple as well. And, uh, uh, and I've really missed one. I missed one right for my father-in-law one time and I was so angry and I was throwing the bow down I did not use a bad word right I did not use a bad word and but I was angry and, and uh, but but I've had the opportunity to do some things that that emotionally are, are wonderful things uh, and, and as you're a as being a father and seeing my children born into this world and and, and that doctor holding Rebecca up for the first time and and have that feeling of, of, of emotion in, in your life and, and then Emma as well and then being a father of the twins wow how awesome is that, that the Lord would entrust me with those things, and, and uh, um, to marry my wife, I meant to say that before I mentioned the kids, and, and, uh, um, and, and, to, uh, and to have great family, and to do those things, and, and all those things are wonderful, and all those things uh, bring up great emotion, and I can be an emotional guy, it's not hard for me to shed a tear, but there is nothing, there is nothing better than leading someone to the Lord, not a single thing. When you give that message, it creates a boldness in you that, that you can't even express. There's nothing greater than that. And in the midst of that, there's nothing greater than leading your own children to the Lord. Why? Well, it's the message that you preach. It's the confidence that it, that's been given. You can be confident in that. You can be confident in the message of God. And it's, what, what is it going to do? For one, it's not going to return void, but it also is going to accomplish something. Get that feeling of accomplishment. Ooh. In, the, in the work world, maybe you build something like, man, I built that. But in the spiritual sense, when we accomplish something for the Lord, and we were able to give that message to someone, ooh, there's, no, there's, there's nothing better. That feeling of, Lord, <laughs> there's that feeling of inadequacy a lot of times. Lord, you used me for that. There's that feeling of, of, then it turns into that feeling of, of, of almost pride, of, Lord, you used me for that. And it creates a boldness that you can go and do it again. But how is this world going to hear without confident Christians? How is it going to hear without a Christian with boldness to stand up and say, if you die without Christ, 
you'll spend an eternity in hell. Romans 10, 14 says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in, in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? We use that verse a lot of times for missionaries. Can we use that verse for homelessness too? Not everybody's called to be a pastor. But we're all called to be preachers of good news. in the message of God. Not just the message of God in which we place our confidence, but we must place our confidence in the mission of God. In the mission of God. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 11 and 12 says, according to the eternal pur purpose with which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. You know, it, it's wonderful to preach the message of God. Nothing's better. Nothing's better. But it's not just preaching the message of God, but it's doing the mission of God. I know we're coming down to the end of 2020, and, uh, and I believe this will be my last chance to preach before 2020 is up. So if I can give you a charge as a church going into 2021, it's to do the mission of God. And by that I mean find God's will for your life and do it. There's no more confident place than knowing that you're where God has you. A preacher is ineffective if he's thinking, I don't know if I'm supposed to be here. But how much boldness and how much confidence is it when you know, hey, I know I'm supposed to be right here. In my life, I know without a shadow of a doubt that I'm supposed to be right there. I know it just as, just as much as I know that I have brown hair and blue eyes. I know it. That's a confidence that we can have in him. It's to know the purpose that God has for your life. And this morning, if I can challenge you, it, it is to find out what it is that God has for you. This next year in the year 2021, there's going to be ample opportunity to serve the Lord. Get in the place that God has for you and serve him there. And do it with great confidence, knowing that God placed you there. That God placed you in this church. And he has a mission for you. And we are to do the mission of God. There's something about knowing that, that you're where you're supposed to be. And, and taking that and doing what God has for you there. There's a great peace about that. I can lay my head down at night and, and know that I'm where God has me. There's no greater peace than that. And, and when the time came for the Lord to, to, to move us, and, and I had a lot of not peace. <laughs> Laid in that bed in Gulfport, wrestling with the Lord about what we were supposed to do. Got back home to Genoa, wrestling with the Lord what we were supposed to do, trying to tell him I didn't want to do it, and all these different things. And you know what that led to? A whole lack of peace. 
and a whole lack of confidence in what I'm supposed to do. And when I gave in to the Lord's will for us, it brought great confidence that I'm going to continue to do the mission that God has for me. This morning, if you lack confidence in God's will for you, surrender to what it is he has for you. It's really as simple as that. Not everybody's going to be the pastor. Not everybody's going to be a missionary. Not everybody's going to be an evangelist. Some will. But everybody is called to find whatever God's purpose is for them and serve there. Serve there. The mission that he has. The Bible says it right there. In him we have boldness. There's boldness to do the job. You know, many times when God calls us to do something, we think, I can't do that. I can't do that. How am I supposed to do that? Or Lord, do you want me to go there? Or Lord, do you want me to serve in this ministry? But I wanted to serve in that ministry. Growing up, all I ever wanted to do was be a camp director. I had fun there. Get to play basketball all the time. Get to shoot bows and arrows. And then you get to stand up and preach. And then they go home. You don't even have to take care of them afterwards. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it, Brother John? <laughs> it isn't what God had for me. But I can have boldness in doing the mission that God has for me here. Confidence. Confidence in the message. Confidence in the mission. We have confidence in the magnitude of God. Verse 14 through 15 says, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hears us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. We have that confidence of the magnitude of God. Do we ever just sit back and realize how great God is? I know this is really cliche, and this is very bottom shelf this morning. That's where I live. I'm not very tall. And uh, um, you ever just sit back and realize how great God is? Say, say, Brother Nate, it's 2020. Okay, let me ask you again. You ever just realize and sit back how great God is? Sit back and realize how great God is? Somewhere along the way in our life, we, we, we lose the perception uh, of what our kids see. I get under conviction so many times just by talking to my children. Because they read the Bible, literally. They read the Bible how God would have them read the Bible. God says this, God does that. Pretty simple. God says he can do this, oh, God can do that. Go ahead, God, do it. And then right before they, their eyes, he does it. They see God as he truly is. And then us in our maturity, I say that, should do this, maturity. Us in our maturity, we say, okay, well, I know what God's word says, but what he really meant about his power and might is this. And we shrink the magnitude of God in our life. And we say, God, you're only capable of doing this. Or for children, 
who grow up in church. They hear Brother John preach up in junior church. They hear it at home, hopefully. They hear it at school. They read it for themselves. And then you're talking about something, and, and maybe you're mentioning something, and they say, well, can't God take care of that? What's your answer? Normally, it's after a good conviction. Oh, man, they got me good. Of course God can take care of that. But we can have confidence in the magnitude of God. The Bible tells us that a lack of confidence in our prayer life, well, it makes our prayers don't get answered. Why? Because we don't pray in faith. How many times do we go and we just pray and we already know it's not going to get answered and yet we still throw it up there? Might as well throw a bounce ball on the floor. The Bible says we're supposed to pray in confidence. Man, children, they just go and they hear something and they just start praying for it. And they just believe it's going to happen. They just believe God says he can do it. He's going to do it. They have confidence in it. Many times I have to remind myself that I should be more likely to pray as a child. I'll admit something to you. I do not like public prayer. I mean, I like it, but I don't like doing it. I know I have to pray for offering every week. <laughs> but it's not one of my favorite things to do. When I get up here and pray for the offering for church, I feel like I have to be maybe a little bit more sophisticated. Because in my prayer life, I just talk to God. And I'm just a redneck. I just talk to him just like that. And I might say, uh, and, and um, and, and Lord, oof, sometimes. But then I have to get up here and, and, and pray for the offering and have to be very appropriate. That's hard sometimes. But in our prayer life, we're supposed to be real with God. And we're supposed to have confidence that he hears us why? Because the Bible says he does. And he's there and he's waiting for us. And that lack of confidence, it just, it just causes our prayers to be cold. No passion. But we can have confidence in just who God is. It sounds cliche. But if we would just remember who God is each and every day, we would have great confidence. Say, you know what? I know who I serve. I know who it is I serve. It's kind of like the military guys who put on the American flag on their uniform. I think that American flag gives people confidence. I like to watch the Olympics and I uh, um, can't remember exactly what year it was. I think it was 2012 and maybe it wasn't. And maybe it was 2008, but it was the year that Michael Phelps won all those gold medals. And, and uh, my wife and I always like to watch the swimming. It's, it's fun. It's a race. See who the fastest is. And um, I remember that relay race that he was in. And you're watching that relay race. And, and uh, I think it was the Australians. And forgive me if I'm misremembering this. But they also had a very good swimming team that year. And, you know, they always show the, the warm-up routine and, you know, Phelps is over there and he's slapping his back like he does before he swims every time. 
and uh, you see the Australians come through, and then we're watching, and of course he's trying to, to break records and different things, and all of a sudden he puts on that swim cap, and you can see the American flag. Just to think, you know what? We're America. We about to whip us some Australians. We're America. There's confidence in that. Think about the dream team. Think, you put on that American flag jersey, ain't, ain't nobody gonna beat us. Oh, there's confidence in that. Many of you guys who served, I think you feel that way about the American flag and wearing it. What about this flag? And you wear that each and every day. Whew. Think about the boldness that it gives you. You know, there's, some, so there's something even better than being in the American army. And it's being in the Lord's army. And the confidence that that gives you. Why? It's not because of who you are. It's because of who he is. It's because of how great he is. It's because of what he's capable of doing. Not what I'm capable of doing, but what he's capable of doing through me. There's no greater confidence than that. I'll hurry. I said I'd be not long. We have confidence in all these things. We have confidence in the message. We have confidence in the mission. We have confidence in how big God is. There's something else we can have confidence in. There's two things, and I'll get to them very swiftly. 1 John 2, 28. Turn, turn, turn your Bibles over there with me real fast. We're real close. It says, and now little children. See how it mentions it? Little children. And now little children abide in him. That when he shall appear, we may say, excuse me, have confidence. Excuse me. And not be ashamed before him at his coming. You know what else we can have confidence in? It's a really easy message to preach this morning. Because it's easy to have confidence in it. His word says it. We can have confidence in the marvelous return of Christ. You know what? I think all throughout 2020, each and every one of us thought, Jesus is coming back today. He's got to come back today. <laughs> or maybe we were just praying to say, Lord, please come back today. That should be our prayer every day. He's coming back today. As we get into the end of this year and into next year, can I tell you that it's still true that Jesus is returning again? I think sometimes that we as Christians, we hear it so often. Jesus might come back today. Jesus might come back today. And we have a year like the year we've had, or we see the events of the news, and we know that, that these things are, are bound to, come, to happen. And we say, Jesus is going to come back today. And then when he doesn't, we lose faith. I wonder if he's ever coming back. I wonder if he's ever coming back. And that causes us to get lazy in what we're supposed to do for him. But can I tell you that we can still have that same confidence that we first had when we first heard it. 
that Jesus is going to come again. Ugh, I pray for my children that he does come again. I don't want them to live in the world that I think they're going to live in. But can I tell them, if you do have to live in that world, you can have the same confidence that I have. You can have the same confidence that the preachers before us had. You can have that confidence. That same confidence in the message, in the mission, in the magnitude, and that he's going to come again. You can. God is bigger than the troubles of this world. But God also is, Jesus is going to return again. And that I can have confidence in. And then I'm moving through that swiftly so I can get to this very last point because I might be here for just a bit. And the last thing that we must have confidence in. Turn with me, if you would, over to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. Verse number six. It says, Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Last thing you must have confidence in is you must have confidence in knowing what's going to happen at your departure. You must. It's a must. If you're sitting in this room this morning or you're listening to the sound of my voice watching on live stream, it would be impossible to live in this life without having confidence in your eternity. That's one thing I believe that many people in this room are confident are, are in. Knowing for sure they're on their way to heaven. There's someone in this room this morning. We're going to have an invitation here in just a minute. Brother John will be up front. It'd be great to end this awful year <laughs> with the greatest thing that ever happened to you. It'll give you a confidence. See, say, what, what, are we, what are we asking people when we say, you know, do you know for sure you're on your way to heaven? Are you 100% sure you're on your way to heaven? We're asking them, are you confident in your eternity? That's all we're asking them. Are you confident in your eternity? Say, well, yeah, I'm confident in it because I know I've put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. But if you're here this morning and you're not confident, the Bible says it, and I think the pastor's mentioned it a few times. The Bible says that Jesus is standing in front of you, and he's, I'm paraphrasing, and he's knocking. And anytime you hear that gospel message presented, that is a clear invitation to come and to be confident in your eternity. Hey, just as we're confident in the fact that Jesus is going to return again, 
I'm confident in the fact that there's also a heaven and a hell. And if you die without Christ, I'm confident you'll spend an eternity in hell. That's not the message we want to preach. But it's the message we have to preach. It's the message that must be preached. If you're listening to the sound of my voice, I'd ask you to call the church office. Schedule a meeting. Talk to someone. How you can know for sure you're on your way to heaven. There's no greater feeling. But it's not just a feeling. There's no greater thing that will happen in your life than to receive Christ as your personal Savior. Remember when I, when I was a kid, we lived in Jennings, Louisiana, and I, I had been told, and I think I've given this testimony before, I'd been told that I had made a public profession as a very young child, and I just didn't remember it. It wasn't real to me. So after church one night, I talked to my dad and, and said, I, I just, I need to get it settled. I'm just not settled. I want to know for sure. Led me to that baptistry room, just to the right of the pulpit on this side. And I've asked Jesus through my heart as my personal Savior. But I remember after that, I remember getting saved, and then I went out afterwards, and, you know, you're playing with all the kids after church and running around the parking lot, and I was so comp- just have filled with so much confidence. I mean, like, every little kid that came my way is like, I got saved. You know you're saved? You need to get saved if you're not. I was just so confident. I wanted everybody to have what I had. I sometimes think about that conversation that I had after church. And I get under conviction and think, why am I not as confident anymore? Why don't I run to people anymore and say, do you know for sure you're on your way to heaven? We had a lady live with us for a while. We, she was at our church in Texas, and then she came to stay with us while we lived in Louisiana. Her name was Mrs. Tucker. Mrs. Tucker, as far as I know, lives in a nursing home somewhere around the Dallas area now. I'm one of four boys, and my mom and dad would be at work, and we'd be out with Mrs. Tucker, and a lot of times she would ride her, her blue bicycle, and we would ride right behind her like ducklings and uh or we'd go somewhere or we would get in her station wagon and uh she always had that fish symbol on the back of her station wagon but mrs tucker she was a little crazy you have to be crazy to put up with me and my brothers and she's a little crazy but everywhere we went everywhere I mean, it didn't matter if we were at the gas station, at Taco Bell, at Publix. It didn't matter. She'd start talking to him, and she just had that personality that she would just talk and that Texas accent. And, and she witnessed, I, I, and I mean this, and I'm, this isn't an exaggeration. I can't think of one person that she came into contact with that she didn't ask about their eternity. I can't think of one person. 
I sometimes think about her, and, and, and no doubt she's in her nursing home, and every time that nurse comes in, I think she's dealing with Alzheimer's a little bit, every time that nurse comes in, no doubt she asks them, you know for sure you're on your way to heaven. She grabbed her hand, had a real strong grip. I sometimes pray, Lord, help me to be like Mrs. Tucker. Help me to be confident like Mrs. Tucker. See, Mrs. Tucker was confident in her eternity. And what that, that did was gave her confidence in her message. And because she had the right message, she knew that she could accomplish the right mission. And so she found the spot that she was supposed to accomplish that mission. And through that, she never forgot how big God was. And that it, no matter what the circumstance, God could come through. And she realized the urgency because Jesus was going to return again. You see what that first confidence does? I know it's my last point. But it takes you all the way back to the beginning. If you're saved this morning and you've began to lack confidence in what God can do through you, I pray during this invitation time you come forward and get that taken care of. Maybe take, that, take care of that right there at your seat. But if you sit here and you don't know for sure you're on your way to heaven, I beg you, I beg you, come forward. Don't wait another day. There is no time. Say, I got time. There is no time. Jesus' return is imminent. And you don't know when your last breath could be. Get that settled today, right now. I've used the illustration before, and I'll probably use it a hundred times more. To hear the invitation of salvation and to reject it is truly to say there is no God. And thereby God calls you a fool. Don't be foolish. Don't be foolish. Don't leave this room this morning without having great confidence in where your eternity is. Every head bowed, every eye closed.